are going to come and share with us this morning. So let's just pray for them, guys. Let's just reach out and bless them as we... Father, just as uh, Phil and Kath share of your, your kingdom, your love and your life this morning with us as your people in this place, we, we ask that it would just be life to us, it would be transformation for our lives, for the good of the kingdom, and it would be blessing to Phil and Kath. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hi, everyone. It's, thank you for welcoming us so well. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Dad joke. Granddad joke. <laughs> it's great to be here and a real pleasure to, to come and hang out with you guys and, uh, and spend some time. And so we pray that it's, it's good for you and God blesses us. But anyway, um, I think we have a, a presentation thing up here which will arrive. Voila, here we go. You may have heard of the Kokoda Trail campaign. As part of the Pacific War, um, uh, War of uh, World War II, the campaign consisted of a series of battles uh, fought between July and November of 1942 between the J Japanese and Allied, primarily Australian forces, in what was then the Australian Territory of Papua. Following a landing near Gona on the north coast of New Guinea in late July 1942, Japanese forces attempted to advance south overland through the mountains of the Owen Stanley Range to seize Port Moresby as part of their strategy of isolating Australia from the United States. The Japanese advanced from Kokoda, penetrating as far as the um, um, Imata Hill, Imata Range, which was 48 kilometres from Port Moresby. Before the, Allied for, uh, before the Allied forces' offensive drove them back along the Kokoda track, down their overstretched supply lines. The Australians retook Kokoda, and by the end of November, the Japanese attempt to cross the Owen Stanleys had been utterly defeated. The Isuvra um, Memorial was constructed in 2002 in remembrance of all those Australians and Papua New Guineans who fought and those who died on the Kokoda track in 1942. Isurva um, was the site of some of the most intense fighting on the Kokoda track campaign. And the memorial features four Australian black granite pillars that are each inscribed with a single word. Courage, endurance, mateship and sacrifice representing the values and qualities of those Australian soldiers who fought along the Kokoda track. So courage, endurance, mateship and sacrifice. When I heard of this story and, and of this memorial that Australians represented the heart of Australians to fight for their nation and for what they experienced in that campaign, I was uh, really struck, struck by uh, these words having had really significant meaning for them, but also in a way they reflect God's heart for us, that they are, they are words from Scripture in a way. Um, and I have felt coming here and hearing a little bit about what you guys have been looking at this year, I thought um, this was something that, that may be a blessing for you and an encouragement for you. 
So in Christ, our victory is secure. But how do we fight? These men, these words represented how these men fought. Now, back in 1942, I'm not too sure how many of them were Christian. I think many were. And so while it represented how they fought, I think it also represented for them what they saw in God in empowering them to fight. And I felt like it would be great for us to look at each of these words individually and and how they speak to us and encourage us in our fight. So in the same way as Phil was saying, we wanted you to think this morning about the fact that we're all in a spiritual warfare. And what does it mean... And, you know, the songs this morning were fantastic, weren't they? And I worship. And I hear your heart for our nation. So I hear your heart as we worship together that the Lord would come for our nation. And there has been victory won already, but it's that sort of same thing of, you know, there was the, the time leading up to the full victory where there were still battles to be fought. But our f- battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against a spiritual power. And so sometimes we can sense that we're isolated in that. And this morning we want to encourage you as a church. You're an amazing church. And you're a great group of people who have come together for this incredible battle. And as we were seeing this morning too, I just kept remembering, I'm sure you've heard them, but we've received a lot of prophetic words about Australia. And it's all about how revival will come through Queensland and ripple out across Australia. So we really want to encourage you that we think that you're placed very strategically and you understand the kingdom of God in a, in a really significant way, that you would call on God, that you know it's not by your power or your might, but it's by what God will do through you and in you. And I think that if you would continue to join together as you are, that you will become a strategic part of what the Lord is planning in these next days. Some of uh, what we need to bring is um, an understanding of these words. And so we wanted to talk to you about courage, endurance, mateship and sacrifice. So the first one for me is courage. And it's interesting for, in a way for me because my uncle Lance fought on the Kokoda Trail and he would never talk to us about his experience of war. He said, I fought that war so that you wouldn't have to know it. And I don't want to tell you what it was like because I don't want you to have those pictures that I have when I go to sleep in my mind. But um, he struck me as someone of courage and I think, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in some ways we look for people who we would want to place as heroes for the things that they did. But my Uncle Lance would say that the heroes were the people that they called the Fuzzy Wuzzies, which were the nationals who came to them and brought them a cigarette or spoke to them at night time and helped them. So I wanted to think a little bit about what does courage mean to you and where do you find your courage? In the Bible we find people who were ordinary men and women who received extraordinary courage and God gave them specific tasks for that courage to be expressed. Joshua was told to be strong and courageous because God was going to be with him wherever he went in Joshua 1.9. David speaks to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28.20 and says to him, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until the work that you have been called to has been done. 
So I'd like to say to you this morning, the Lord has work for you and he will not leave you or forsake you until your life here is finished and he, he calls you up to heaven to be with him. There is a type of courage though, isn't there? That's, there's another level of courage that's a day-to-day courage. And I've been uh, doing a bit of reading about courage and I love what a lady called Brené Brown, if you've heard of her, she's done a lot of research and psychologist and she says, she explains, you know, the word courage, the core at the beginning of courage is the Latin word for heart. And so the meaning originally and the way that word was used and the way that it would have been used in the Bible in the Old Testament actually has more of a sense of heart rather than physical brutal strength in a battle. Originally it meant to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. And so it has to do with vulnerability. So this morning I want to ask you and I want to ask myself again, who am I vulnerable to and how do I express my vulnerabilities? And to say to you this, in the family and the body of Christ and the way to build up a culture of courage together would be to share your vulnerabilities. And it's in a way that it it allows us to share each other's life stories and journeys. So it's not that one-off incredible heroic act that you might be called upon to do, although you, you may well be called upon to do a heroic act, It is the living in community together courageously. And an example of that that's like really simple is, um, you know, a mum runs into the preschool. It's a Christmas time. The concert, preschool concert has been on. The little kiddies have already sang their song. All the mothers are sitting there. There's this one little preschool who's now crying, looking for mummy. Mummy hasn't turned up. And mummy runs in late and the thing is over. And one mother walks out and just rolls her eyes as if, What sort of a mother are you? As she walks past, you missed your child's concert. And then another mum comes up and goes, oh, it's amazing that you got here at all. The year, the other year, you know, I missed my eldest child's one altogether. I didn't get even to hug them at the end. And worse is I wasn't just late, I forgot. (laughs) And so that is sharing with courage, isn't it? Your vulnerability. And sometimes I think we pretend that we're perfect and roll our eyes at other people when actually the most courageous thing would be to share in their story and build that friendship together. I wanted to think about the, you to think just now about the other aspects of courage where you would bring courage to play in your life. I've been reading a book by um, Joan Kitts, Kitster is her name. She does an in-depth study into the struggle of Jacob in the Old Testament when he struggles with this stranger who may have been an angel. And Jacob's courage is to stand his ground and to, and he demands a blessing, remember? So I would like to say to you this morning that courage is persistence. It's not withdrawing or with retreating or allowing yourself to become isolated in whatever is happening in your life. The counterpart to courage is honesty and it counts character more important than you just being accepted. It means that you will want to draw on the challenges of everyday life. For for children, when you look at them, everything they do is about being courageous. If we stay childlike 
just getting out and meeting the challenge of physically every day a child learning something. You see teenagers and often they create their own challenges. The ageing bring courage to bear as they face illness and letting go and often letting go of the people, the person who's walked closest to them in their life and letting go of their own life. Fear, I want to say to you, is not the opposite of courage. And I have had to learn over my life, and I'm still learning, that fear is actually the catalyst for courage. I do it afraid, as you may be called upon to do. That fear, it doesn't disappear. It's still with me, and I step out to do the courageous thing that God has called me to. So don't wait until you're not frightened. And I think when the Lord comes and he says, don't be afraid, he's not saying that the fear is about to go and he's going to give them courage. He's saying, I'm with you, so the courage will come because I'm with you. So step out with the Lord. I thought about all the horrible things that have ever happened in history and in any of the real battles that have ever been fought. And honestly, when you think about it, oppressors have only been allowed to oppress because those who could have stepped out with courage didn't. They didn't do it and they turned away and they allowed something awful to happen. So I'd ask us all to take, make a decision today, to stand in the awe of God to consider your day-to-day life, to have the value of courage. In Matthew 14, 27, Jesus says, Take courage, it's me. Don't be afraid, as he's come to walk towards his disciples on the water. And I would say to you today, as we prayed before we came out, there was a word about walking on the water that is grace. So come and walk on the water. And if you're frightened, let your fear be the catalyst for courage. Endurance. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. You can't uh, help read scripture and find that concept or that word, words like endurance everlasting forever and for all ages and for all generations. These remind us of God's, um, that, that we have a God who, do, who just doesn't change. And that, that call to endurance is a reminder of his love that's eternal. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change depending on the season, on where we're at with him, whether we've done something right or wrong. He just loves us. And that word that says his love endures forever is something that can inspire us and remind us that God is the same, that he will endure everything. He will endure us, however we come to him. And it's that enduring nature of God that encourages us and gives us strength to carry on, to keep pushing on when it feels hard. He calls us to stay the line, to keep focused, to push through. All the things that the men on Kokoda needed to do, they just needed to hang in there. So Winston Churchill has been described as Britain's greatest ever leader. He lived a long, heroic life and he rallied a nation with his inspiring rhetoric. Legend has it that once when he returned to his old school, Harrow, uh, to address the boys, the whole school assembled to listen to his words of wisdom. The great man arose to speak. Young men, he said, 
Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. He said it in an English accent, for those of you who missed that. Um, the entire speech lasted only a few seconds, then he sat down, and no one present ever forgot his words. That is at least the popular version of the story. Um, Churchill did indeed say uh, words to that effect, but it was part of a longer speech. Um, but towards the end of the speech, he did say, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to the convictions of honour and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the apparent overwhelming might of the enemy. It's interesting that uh, in Revelations, in, in the letters that Jesus dictates to John to speak to the churches, in, uh, in Revelations 2.7 it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. There is this call on us to endure, to overcome, to stay the line, to keep going. And I think everyone in this room has come to a place in their lives where you've had to hear that word, I've got to keep going. Got to keep going. Because our reward, our future, a life full of all that God intended awaits for us. We may not experience all of that now. We may only have a taste of it. But God says, keep going. Trust me, my love endures forever. Keep going. And you may be here today and you may need to hear those words. Keep going. So hold on to your faith. Make a stand against evil, against temptations and against the persecutions that we suffer. We are called to endure because we have a God who endures. As you look at these um, four words, you begin to see maybe um, a bit of a connection between each. Um, we are called to have courage to face up to our circumstances that lie before us. We need to endure through what will come. And now we need mates. Because we realise we can't do it alone. And I think those men on the Kokoda Trail, they realised so much they could not have done what they did without somebody standing with them and next to them and them doing it together. And they cheered each other on. And they picked each other up and they said let's let us do it and I think that's a really important thing for us to hear that God calls us to be mates Romans 12 5 says just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the others and think about that. That's a big statement. That's a bold statement. We belong to each other. But I know for those guys who are in the, in the thick of battle that they needed to trust and rely and belong to each other. They needed to know that each person was there for a really specific reason. 
And the only way that they could ever do what their heart wanted them to do was that they would trust their mate, that they would believe in their mate. And so we have a God who recognises that. Firstly, we are connected through Christ, our different shapes and uniqueness. We are specifically designed by God. Each of us are different. We know that God intended it that way. God wants us to be uniquely different because of what we bring together, of what the shape looks like together. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the body says, we need you. We need you to be you. We need you to bring who you are to the family. As each part does its work, the body grows. And they saw that on the trail. As each part, as each member of the, the battalions, of the groups, of the men there, did their bit, they moved ahead and they won a phenomenal battle. So our wonderful God made us with a desire for team. Something God made us inside that he made us to want to do stuff together, to look something bigger than ourselves, something great, not just a... Um, and when you look at the movies that we often watch or get attracted by, we realise that it, a lot of it, the ones that we're attracted to are ones about teams. A team comes together to save the world, to steal the money, although not Christian teams, of course, um, to win the championship, the Lord of the Rings, the X-Men, the Matrix, Saving Private Ryan, Ocean's Eleven, Remember the Titans. All these movies that you may have watched were all about teams doing it together. They, they, they feature this band of brothers who attempted the dangerous, the outrageous, the impossible. Each member of the team has a specialty and makes a vital contribution. A band of brothers that though he may not realise it, every man longs to be part of one. We long to be part of a team, to be together, to achieve something together. And God has called us here. And sometimes we think, yeah, but I don't feel like I'm much. Well, you know what? You may not feel much, but you are incredibly important to the team, incredibly important to God. And he's placed you here to belong, to be known, to be loved, to contribute, to bring who you are to that mix. So belonging is the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us because this yearning is so primal, we may often acquire it by trying to fit in, by seeking approval, which is not, which, which is not exactly how God intends it to be. And it can be a barrier to what God wants to do through us. Because true belonging, as Kath has already said, belongs only happens when we present our authentic, real self. Don't be somebody else, just be you. God knows you the way you are and he's made you that way and he loves you that way. Be who you are. You know, Facebook's one of those funny things, isn't it? Because you can present yourself as somebody quite different from your real self. But true mateship, true friendship. And see, God loves us because he loves us perfectly because he sees each of us exactly as we are. It's good, isn't it? Very comforting to know that God loves us truly because nothing is hidden from him. So the challenge is to belong intentionally to each other, to intentionally connect, to, to come and go, 
I want to come to church. I want to be known. I want to meet people. I want to let them meet me. And to do that intentionally. So bring yourself to the table, though the part, and, and be a part of a bigger story. A group, a family, a church. And together we can do something challenging, outrageous, and risky for God. Amen? So, last word. The last one is sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but in our subculture down south, that word is used more as a when I'm inconvenienced. Oh, it was such a sacrifice to have my mother-in-law over to, for lunch on Christmas Day. And it was such a sacrifice that I had to go and pick up everyone else's children as well as my own from the sporting event. And I gave up, you know, it was such a sacrifice to give up watching some series that is particularly important to you. Or it was a real sacrifice to give up watching the football to take my wife out on a date. <laughs> Whatever it is, it, we kind of Does use it. Does anyone relate to that one? Who did, who did, who did that one? <laughs> okay, no sacrifices so, last night. You know, it's, it's not really equivalent to the sacrifice I want to talk about right now. However, you may have felt highly inconvenienced. The sacrifice that uh, Christ gave for us cost him everything. He died on the cross as you know, but I just wonder if you would consider that word sacrifice again then. And in, in war, I mean, my mum used to talk to me about, and you will have seen in movies that you've watched or even perhaps known people who've had this experience where, you know, a mother is waiting at home and then she gets the news that her son has been killed in battle. It's such a huge sacrifice and they just double over in grief and the world is never the same again. And they long that the death of their boy, their untimely death, would have been for some good. Is it for some good? And I think I was really confronted. I had the opportunity years ago, uh, you may remember in Indonesia, there was um, an uprising of Muslims and a lot of Christians in the Sulawesi Islands in Indonesia were attacked and I had the opportunity to go to a refugee camp with a team to work with them and to work with the children. And the really interesting thing I discovered was that in a lot of these villages in Indonesia, the people had to go to um, write down were they Christian or Muslim. And so a lot of people wrote down that they were Christian just because they knew they weren't Muslim. But they didn't go to church, they didn't have a faith, but there were some issues that you'll know around the Muslim faith that they didn't want their girls to be subjected to, so they knew that as well. So here these people are in this refugee camp and they're coming up to us and saying, we have sacrificed everything and we don't know what we've sacrificed it for. Tell us about this Jesus. It was the most extraordinary thing. And I thought, my goodness, you know, they'd had their children, some of their children had been killed, their husbands had been killed, and, and they didn't know what it was for, but they were like, it needs to mean something to us. I'd like to say to you today, I think we have forgotten about the sacrifice of Jesus, and you need to rediscover it, I need to rediscover it again, to make it meaningful in my life, because it was a huge sacrifice if you considered that Christ was your brother, 
He says he's your friend, he's your brother. He gave everything for you. His last drop of blood spilt out for you. There's a man whose name is um, Brennan Manning. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he went to war with a friend of his. His name wasn't originally Brendan. He changed his name because his um, best friend was killed and he went to tell the mother and the mother said to him, and, and he was killed saving Brendan's life, that's the point. And the mother said to him, my boy loved you. You were his best friend. And he said to her, "How do you, I, did, he, did he really love me that much? And the mother just grabbed him and said, my son died for your life. And he suddenly realised, oh my gosh, I've questioned something that I should never have questioned. I haven't understood. I hadn't really, even though I was there and I saw it happen, I haven't taken in what was sacrificed for me. So he changed his name to his friend's name, Brendan. And, um, and it's a way to remind himself of the sacrifice of his friend but also of the sacrifice of Jesus for him. So I would say to each of us, remember this sacrifice and remember the sacrifice of others around you I would really just want to take a moment to uphold Nick and Kirk to you as your leaders and to say, you know, Phil and I know them well over a number of years and you are so fortunate to have them as leaders. What an amazing gift they are to you. And I would just say, (laughs) that's good, feel the love. (laughs) And it's really important that you remember that because they make quiet sacrifice on your behalf in the spirit that you may never know about but they stand as your friends your brother and sister in faith in a way that um, it would be it would be a wonderful thing for your church to continue to acknowledge that and to just live with that awareness and to give into this church in a way that calls for you to be sacrificial Really, the concept of being sacrificial is an act of giving up something that is valuable, particularly valuable to you, in order to help someone else or for the bettering of a cause. What better cause could you give to than the work of Christ? Sometimes when you sacrifice something precious, you're not really losing it. It's actually being passed on to someone else. And I think that's what we need to remember as Christians that there's this sense that as we give up something and we might feel that it's sacrificial and and as we do the little sacrificial things, the Lord will help us realise what a blessing it is. Whether it's your money, whether it's your time, whether it's your talents, I would encourage you to give all of it because you will be giving it somewhere. And if you're not giving it into the work of the Lord, I would just ask you to really prayerfully think about that today. And think, are you giving up in a way that's giving in a sense of having to trust that this giving will become something more and something better? And it can be in time. I wanted to tell you a really quick story. A friend of ours from church recently um, was dying and we were having a chat actually coming up in the car with our son and, and I said to him, you know, sometimes we try and retreat from things that we think are going to be too hard, like grief. And yet, if we were to step into those moments that we think will cost us so much and be so sacrificial of our time, our emotion, whatever it is, actually, it's this sweet 
gift that the Lord gives you to stand in that place. And Sam said to me, can you describe what that was for you then, Mum? And it was a really good question to ask and I encourage you to ask that of each other when you're feeling that you're giving sacrificially, that you would share those stories of the precious gift that God brings. And I said to Sam, I had the opportunity to be with this couple and it was as if all the love of their life was distilled into this amazing perfume and I got to be there to smell it. And all John kept saying as he was dying was, it is wonderful. This love is wonderful. And I just thought I was, I'm the richer for the little sacrifice that I gave to turn up and be present. I would encourage you to do the hard thing and to press in. The cross is the intersection of love and suffering. Jesus appeared after his sacrificial crucifixion with the marks of sacrifice on his body. He appeared to his disciples to say to them, this is my sacrifice, and they recognised him by it. Philippians 2, 3-4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Are you going to? Why don't we stand? I wonder if you remember the words. <laughs> Courage, endurance, mateship, sacrifice. Courage, endurance, mateship, sacrifice. Good to remember, eh? Well, we just want to invite the Spirit to come and to bring the power of those words over our lives. Because I think in many different ways we all need them, yes? So why don't we do that? Maybe you might want to put your hands out. and Father, we just bless you um, that you are these to us. You are courage to us. You are endurance to us. You are our friend. And you have been our sacrifice. Father, I want to speak these words over every person here this morning. Holy Spirit, bring the reality of those words of who you are in them, but also who you are making us to be through them. May we be men and women of courage. May we seek to stay the line, to endure, to walk the line, to, to hang in there, And Lord, we seek your friendship, Lord Jesus. We know how important friendship is to you. Lord, let us be friends to this family as well. Know how important we are to this group of people. And Lord, allow us to bring sacrifice, receiving yours and giving ours. Sam's got something too. I had a picture of, um, uh, as I was praying for you guys, so I'll just pray it over you all. And it's, it's, uh, and I'll read a little bit from Henry Newen, if you know that name. Um, he was a, 
a minister who was very well known and he left his life to move in with a, a house where people with disabilities were ministered to. And he, he spent his days, the first thing in the morning before he gave himself breakfast was to go and um, feed a, a friend who couldn't feed himself that he then cared for. Um, so he talks about starting each day, living each day as if we're trapeze artists and we push off from that place of comfort and then he says, before these people are caught, they must let, let go. And I felt like God was saying to us, we must let go. They must brave the empty space and I bless you as a church with that empty space. Living with this kind of willingness to let go is one of the greatest challenges that we can all face. Whether it's concerns for a person, possessions, reputation, whatever it is that holds you back, the Lord today is saying, let go. You become courageous, you have endurance, you will have friendship and there will be sacrifice as you let go. You will inevitably face losses, sometimes failure, in the battle. But the great paradox is that in letting go, we receive. We find safety in the unexpected places of this risk. And those who avoid this risk are guaranteed that their hearts will not be broken, but they end up selfish. So Lord, today we join together as friends to say we want to be focused on you, although our hearts might be broken that we would risk it all again for your glory. Amen. Um, yeah, just on that, um, I felt God reminding me of um, Elijah and sacrifice and how um, God's fire fell on Elijah's sacrifice and how as we <coughs> sacrifice whatever it is, the beauty of the chariot of fire really falls on that, whether that's the passion of God or whether that's that beauty and that presence of God as well. And um, I also got the verse for the fight. Um, 2 Timothy 1.7, we haven't been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And it's us as a body. Together we have been given it. Together we are to fight. And together we have been empowered. We have been empowered. Every single one of us. No matter what age you are. You have been empowered to fight. You have been given the strength to fight. If you feel like there's some things that you need prayer on that, that you're feeling like if God's touching you, you'd like some prayer, or do you feel like you're in the middle of a battle and you need those four words over you and you'd like somebody to pray for you, I think is, is your way of doing is to come forward. Well, then come forward because there'll be people who will want to come stand with you and to pray with you over these things. So if that's you, and sometimes you can just feel God saying it's... It's good to get prayer. Some other words? 
just as um, as folk are coming, and I really feel like Sam, you're meant to actually release that fire of God on people. So if that keyword of sacrifice was one, then Sam I think needs to just invite the Holy Spirit to come like fire on you and bring the presence of God to to you.